In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the blessed month of Tove, and God, and today the gospel is from Matthew chapter 2. And one of the themes of this Coptic month is the salvation of the Gentiles, the salvation of mankind, you know, the month of Christmas and the Lord Jesus Christ coming, coming to save the world. And you see this even, I'll just read one part from the Pauline epistle. It says, now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision of the truth. Tomorrow we, we will celebrate the feast of the circumcision. And the circumcision was just a, a small sign of joining God's people. It was actually a big sign to join God's people. And, and the circumcision, you know, it turned into the sacrament of baptism. And that was the acceptance for everyone. Salvation for everyone. He says that Christ has become a servant of, to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy that is, as it is written, for this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. But today the gospel was about something very interesting. It was about the gospel, it was about the trip of the Holy Family into Egypt. And one of the things that I was meditating about is how the Lord used this trip as a big blessing for the land of Egypt. Like if you look at the map of Egypt and you look at the stops of the Holy Family, you say like, why did you go all the way like south? And like, why didn't they just leave like Israel and just camp right on the border of Israel? But actually the Holy Family like covered all of Egypt. Like when I go to Egypt, I wish I could cover like half or a fractional, but they visited the whole, like the whole country. And the Lord used this opportunity for the salvation of the land of Egypt, for the salvation of many. That's the theme of this month, for the salvation of many. But, and I'll talk about that point a little bit later, but another big lesson, I think maybe one of the things that I want to really focus on is actually how like terrible the circumstance was actually in like Jerusalem, why did they have to flee to Egypt? They fled to Egypt because there was a ruler named Herod and he was the worst. So evil, so destructive, so like, like the worst, the worst. So in my understanding, I was wondering why, why dear Lord, do you allow such an evil king, you know, you're coming into the world, why do you allow such evil kings to exist? To Why do you allow the slaughter of infants who didn't do anything? And you allow all of these infants to... to so I was thinking about the problem of... The problem of evil. And why God allows evil to exist in this world. And so I want to talk about some of the reasons why I think God allows evil to exist in this world. Before I start, I want to read to you a passage from Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a very beautiful psalm. Focus with me on this psalm. It says, God is indeed good to Israel, to those who have pure hearts. But I, I lost confidence. I lost confidence in that. And my faith was almost gone. Why was my faith almost gone? He said, because I was jealous of the proud when I saw things go well for the wicked. How come the, the wicked are so powerful? How come the wicked are so good? They do not suffer pain. King Herod, was he suffering pain? He's 
stood on his throne and just killing people. They do not suffer pain. They are strong and healthy. They do not suffer as other people do. They do not have their troubles as others have. So they wear pride like a necklace and violence like a robe. Their hearts pour out evil and their minds are busy with wicked schemes. They laugh at other people and speak of evil things. They are proud and make plans to oppress others. They make plans to oppress others. They speak evil of God in heaven and give arrogant orders to everyone on earth so that even God peoples turn to them and eagerly believe what they say. Doesn't it kind of sound like Herod a little bit? I was thinking of Herod one. They say God will not know. The Most High will not find out. That is what the wicked are like. They have plenty and are always getting more. It is for nothing. Is it for nothing? This is now the question that uh, Asaph is the one who wrote the psalm. He says, is it for nothing then that I've kept myself pure? Like, why am I keeping myself pure? You see all the wickedness and all the evil. Why am I? What's the point of all of this? Is it for nothing then I've kept myself pure and not committed sin? Oh God, you have made me suffer all day long. Every morning you have punished me. That's the first part of the psalm. And I I remember when I was a student, and uh, I used to say these things, these complaints. I used to make these complaints a lot. And I think everyone used to make, like sometimes we say, I used to pray so hard, God, why did you let me get that C on that exam? You see all the other kids, they don't pray, they don't do nothing, they don't, uh, and they get A's. And they're wired, I'm working so hard, and... I have nothing. And these people don't, wicked, and and they have so much. I feel this is a complaint that we all have. A complaint against like against the evil and a complaint against God. And it's a good complaint. Oh, the psalmist, the psalm Asaph, he had the same complaint. But then the beautiful thing about the psalmist is that when he turned his complaint to God, he found an answer. He found an answer. And I want to give you parts of that answer maybe today. The first reason maybe all of this evil and stuff sometimes exists is I would say is a consequence of love. Is a consequence of love. Consequence of love that evil exists. How? God allows evil to exist out of the abundance of his love. Psalm 145, it's a very famous psalm. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all. And His tender mercies are over all His works. And I think because God is so loving and because like out of that love He has given us free choice. He has given us free will to choose. And so now you can choose between righteousness and evil. I think that's like a very profound concept. But but I think you've maybe heard that before. The other one that maybe you have not heard before, and this one I think is, once you think about it, you think about, oh, God is good. God is good because even to the evil, He gives them good. The uh, If you're complaining, you know the complaint, what does that show? It shows that you want the evil to be... You want the evil to be... To take a, like a, yeah, 
every time someone commits evil, they get like alam, you know? Could you imagine that every time, like imagine, I want you to imagine a parent, imagine a parent, and every time the kid does something like outside the order, you give him one to the face. And you straighten him out and make sure he doesn't commit that evil ever again. So the wicked actually will like be under your feet. So you'll stomp under the wicked. Would you, would you like a God like that? Would you enjoy a God that when you see, when he sees evil, he gives you the, 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 the wrath of God comes upon you. I think all of us, you know, personally, I'd be gone in day one. Yeah, I'd like, actually God's so good that he allows evil to exist out of mercy and love. Out of mercy and love. I'll give you another example about this. I was thinking about the parable of the eleventh hour, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. The parables in the like of the workers, you know, the, you know the parable that there was people who came to the vineyard at every stage of the day, correct? The people that came at the beginning and the people that came at the end were given the same wage. So then, the people. Who came from the beginning. What did they say? What did they complain against God? They said. Why did you give the the people that came at the end the same? And then look at what the landowner said. Because the landowner is good. Look at what the landowner is good. He says. Friend. I am doing no wrong. I am doing no wrong. Did you not agree for me for one denarii? He said. Take what is yours and go. Your way. I wish to give the last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye, this is the part I want you to think about, or is your eye evil? Is your eye evil because I am good? So actually, the ones who are complaining about God's, like, why do you allow evil? Why do you allow all this thing? Actually, I think the the paradigm shifts. Actually, maybe, are you the evil one? Are you the evil one? As the, the parable says, is your eye evil because I am good? Do you see the, the idea I'm trying to make here? Is that actually you wishing envy or destruction upon the evil? That's, I would say that's pretty evil. <laughs> Wouldn't you like? But God in His goodness, He allows mercy and compassion to all. The other idea that I think, uh, that uh, I want to read maybe one quote. I like this quote a lot. It says, If God would concede me His omnipotence for 24 hours, think about this. If God gave you all His power for 24 hours, what would you change? Oh, I would change this. I would get rid of the evil of this. I would crush Herod, this guy, Herod. I would wipe him out of history books. I would, all the evil, I would wipe them. So if if you had all the power of God for 24 hours, think about all the changes you would do. The quote says, if God would concede me his omnipotence for 24 hours, you would see how many changes I would make in the world. But if he gave me his wisdom, if he gave me his wisdom too, I would leave things the way they are. I would leave things the way they are. Actually, God allows like... like it's perfect, actually. Time for repentance, time for growth, time for change. The second thing about evil is that evil sometimes, I think, highlights our weakness. 
I think like evil sometimes highlights our weakness. It shows our deficiencies. Sometimes it helps us. It helps us to see the light more clearly. You know, when you see darkness, then you can say, "Oh, that is darkness. That is light." For instance, and like, and this was in the in the in the Catholic epistle today. It says, "Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is." lawlessness and you know that he was manifested to take away sins in him there is no sin and whoever abides in him does not sin so whoever sins has neither seen him or known him so the idea i was thinking about is that when when i commit a sin i oh oh wow i'm weak oh god i need you i need you to take away the sin out of my life oh wow i can't continue like this i need to ch- sin sometimes can highlight the, our weaknesses and in our weakness then we turn to God the idea like the prodigal son I imagine the prodigal son what did the prodigal son when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger so he's thinking about like some good scenario he's thinking about some good scenario and there was another like like he's eating garbage so when he compared the garbage he's eating to to the to the 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 house of his father he said oh i need to go back to my father so i think evil actually can like show our limits show our weaknesses and in our weakness that means we should turn to god the other the next point is that evil can be used for good evil can be used for good i'll read you apart from St. John Chrysostom, he says, but why was the child Christ sent into Egypt? He says, he was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. But then he goes, from that point onward, we see that the hope of salvation would be proclaimed to the whole world. So actually, like, Herod, evil, but evil was being used for good. And actually, throughout the Bible, I would say God used many times persecution or evil to do something good like i was thinking about like many similarities actually between the fleeing of jesus into egypt and like moses can you think of some similarities between the like moses fleeing into egypt or the birth of or christ fleeing into egypt and moses the birth of moses what happened at the birth of moses is there was a wicked ruler both times Pharaoh and Moses, they had wicked rulers, right? And uh, one was thrown into a basket. The other one was, you know, fled into Egypt. They were both in Egypt. How about uh, Moses was hidden for a while. Moses was drawn out of water. Um, Moses was brought up by a man. I like this one. Moses was brought up by a man who was not his natural father. Same with the Lord Jesus Christ, actually brought up by a stepfather like Joseph. Um, I would say the point here is that Moses and De- they both endured evil and, and persecution, but actually God raised them up for the salvation of many and used this like experience for the salvation of many. And God is always using any situation for His goodness. And I think this is a point that I'll, I'll just end with, but I have a couple examples. For instance, like you would say, evil like sickness is evil. 
and pain like the sickness and pain of of uh, infirmity and tribulation you say this is like is evil and it actually is a consequence of sin but actually God uses sickness can use sickness for the glory of his name right I would say like St. Paul St. Paul he said my grace is sufficient to you my strength is made perfect in weakness so the idea being that even evil could be used for for goodness and then the the other idea that I want to leave with you, and this is the last thing I promise, is that how God turned the table of evil, like really on its head. And this was very nice because yesterday when we were discussing with the kids, like this idea, they said, why doesn't God give us a new nature? And I was like, huh? Actually he did. Actually he did. He gave us a new nature through baptism. A new way to conquer evil, a new way to have victory, so there was evil, but then he gave us something better, he turned evil on its head, I'll give you like two quick examples, one is the the story of Joseph right, when Joseph he said you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good so here it was evil, but turned on its like head, something evil used for good I'll give you just another example and then that's the last one, is the idea of the crucifixion. I would say the idea of the crucifixion, I would say is the most heinous, the most evil, the most disgusting, the most like, the worst thing that you could have, could have possibly done. That they took the Lord Christ and they crucified him on a cross. And they, they spit on him, they beat him, they, and you say so much evil, but all that evil, and it is evil, was actually used by, for our salvation. All the evil was used, so God in His love allows evil, but He, somehow through His, like His grace and His love, He can transform something so, uh, into something, something we glorify, something we celebrate, something now when someone wants to be martyred for the faith, we say, Good job. You, like, you sacrificed for God. You've turned evil upside down. I think that's a concept. I wish we have that concept. That God is victorious over evil. And in the end, justice is served. And because God is all powerful. And no one, there's no rivals. But the, God, the idea that God is so loving allows evil to exist for our salvation. That's the theme of this month. And I hope we keep that idea in our hearts. And glory be to God forever. Amen.